Welcome back to The Director's Cut, a podcast by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode features an exclusive panel discussion with the directing team of the HBO limited series Watchmen, presented by the DGA Eastern Directors Council's Focus on Women Committee. Based on the celebrated graphic novel, the series takes place 34 years after the original story and weaves a tale of an alternate U.S. history integrating themes of white supremacy and racism against the backdrop of vigilantes, masked cops, and superheroes. The pilot episode earned director and executive producer Nicole Cassell the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Dramatic Series. Last month, Cassell, director Steph Green, actor Regina King, producer and UPM Karen Wacker, and first ADs Carrie Bruno and Casey Goodall met to discuss their experiences of crafting Watchmen in a conversation moderated by Cassell and DGA fourth vice president Laura Belzey. Highlights from the panel include putting together the look of the show, utilizing previs to communicate effectively with the visual effects supervisor, and working with background performers to create the show's powerful opening sequence. Following the discussion, the panelists took questions from the audience. And thank you all, and I'm glad to be looking at these amazing faces and imagining everyone who's listening. Um, and it's, it's a bit emotional, actually, to see everyone, because it's exactly a year ago that we wrapped this show. And um, my last day of filming, I was so sad to say goodbye, I actually didn't show up. <laughs> Thank you, Casey, for covering that for me, because I was sick. Um, and obviously, so much has happened in this year. And before we launch in, and I can't wait to talk about why I brought this group together, I just want to say our well wishes to those in the world who are dealing with COVID, either physically or financially, and um, take a moment, you know, just to kind of send our best out into the world. Um, and as I was thinking of this panel, I stayed up one night just asking all these questions. There's all these women here that actually haven't gotten to ask certain questions because we work so hard when we're together. And a theme emerged for me, and it was that of trust. And what I really want to talk about is how we all learn to trust each other or those positions you represent and how we gain trust. And, um, and again, as I was thinking about that this morning, uh, it hit me once again like a lightning bolt, especially in light of the events of this week, that the opening words of Watchmen are trust in the law. And my heart felt grief for all of those who cannot. But with that, we have Regina King, extraordinaire uh, actor and director, um, Karen Wacker, producer, UPM, Carrie Bruno, assistant director, Casey Goodall, assistant director, and Steph Green. Um, my, the other director that I feel like if I didn't exist, she's, she's, we're one and the same, and we'll explain that as we go. Um, 
So I'd really love to launch in with Regina. Um, Regina and I met on American Crime. And to this day, I remember vividly the moment I think I won your trust. And, um, and I'm curious if it's the same story, but yeah, why don't we start there and then I'll ask more about that. I don't know if it's the same story. <laughs> I think for me, just always going in uh, to um, with the new director, you know, especially w when you're talking about episodic, you always, um, I, I love storytelling and um, I, I want everyone involved to respect the art of it. And um as an actor, I think I speak for all actors, we've had experiences where the guest director will come in and it doesn't feel like they respect the art of storytelling and to take it a step further, feels like they don't respect the arc of your character in particular, you know? Um, and that's probably just being an actor, we're so vulnerable and it's all about us uh, <laughs> that you get into that headspace. So, um, I'm not going to lie. Whenever a new director comes in, you know, they're there. They, they don't know it, but they, they, they're they are participating in a test. <laughs> and um, part of that is, you know, just asking them as many questions and as I can think of to see what um, what they've done to familiarize themselves with the show or the character. And so probably Nikki first coming in, she felt that I don't have a poker face, you know, I'm very <laughs> much like, so. <laughs> yes, it was cool. You know? yeah. And um, I don't remember the exact moment that, um, uh, I guess Nikki won my trust, but what I do remember is when it happened, I wanted to come back and watch her direct on a, a scene that I wasn't in. So I came to work the, the next day just because I was like, okay, not only did she pass the test, but this this director is special. And yeah, I feel like I learned in, in, in all circumstances, whether it's that I'm learning what not to do or learning things that I can do. Um, and at that point in American Crime, I was an aspiring director. I'd done a few things, but um, not much. And I just felt like I got to watch her work because um, when you're working with the director, you don't get to watch them work. You're working together. So I, I needed to experience this brilliance from and uh from from the outside from the sidelines so i came back and the scene that um you were doing was uh the scene where you had the big techno crane and it was following whose character the boy the boy yes yes and it was um it was the the scene was starting to be set it was a night uh, uh shot but you were starting to set it up during the day when it was still uh, dusk. And just, I was just so impressed with, and, and I thought I did feel it when we were working together, um, but I was just so impressed at how you were able to have a command presence, but, but still um, um, 
be kind, still be uh, gentle. And I, I think that the, uh, uh, a lot of people, you know, you hear the word gentle and you think of that as that that's not strength, but that's actually requires more strength. And um, to uh, witness it was, um, it was rewarding. And, and it definitely, uh, I was able to, as I went on to the next project that I was directing, I definitely was able to kind of tap into uh, uh, the, the, the understanding that um, uh, gentle and command presence can be uh can be uh, uh uh synonymous they can they can happen together but what was the time that you uh, felt like <laughs> yeah it was I, we were doing the scene where you were sitting in the church pews and it was a private moment you're alone but it was another techno crane shot and the camera the tech the crane was futzy and malfunctioning and the dp um, threw a fit loudly and it was really disruptive to you. And, um, and I saw that and I apologize and I connected with you. And I think that that just clicked. And I didn't know that was the moment. The moment I knew I had won your trust was when you showed up to set and I was <laughs> like, Oh my God, <laughs> it was such a, it, it just, I hadn't, you know, you you don't even know you don't have the trust till you have it. And um, it just really moved me that you showed up to as a peer. And, and since that moment, Regina and I call each other as directors. Yet when we're working together on Watchmen, actor to director, I'm amazed because you take off the director hat and you let you come as the actor and aren't trying to do double time or, um, it's an unbelievable trust. Um, I'm going to come back to Regina, but tr that what you were just saying, Regina, led me to really think about Karen. And early on in prep, when we were starting to amass the crew, um, Ron said the words, you know, no asshole policy. Mm -hmm. And of all the women on the show, Karen was the one I hadn't met in person. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know you coming in, but I knew Casey mm -hmm. and I called Casey because Casey and I had done a couple shows. Casey and I met on Leftovers um, season two when she was a second. And then she first assisted the finale of American Crime season two with me. Um, but so I called Casey and I said, who's this Karen Wacker? Can I trust her? And she's like, she's amazing. And then Casey admitted Karen had already called Casey to find out about me. <laughs> so, um, and, and Karen had worked on leftover season one. So yeah. it was already deep in trust with Damon. And I think we can all say hi to Damon. I believe he's watching us and, um, um, watching the women. Um, so Karen, I actually feel of everybody here, your role is the biggest mystery to me because I think because you do your job so well, and I can trust you so much, I don't know what you do. But what I do know is that the crew, we had a phenomenal crew. Yeah, we did. Held together through thick and thin. And that people would say just that Karen, 
that, Karen. And I also know as a director, like you, the decisions you make every day land on screen because you are controlling, you know, where the money goes. And the ADs, I know, are this kind of link between the creative wishes of the director and then practical, logistical, how do we do it through you? Um, but so how would you describe what you do, how you earn people's trust and what people do that make you trust them? God, it's such a collaborative effort with everybody. And I think that, um, I think that my job is working with a budget and then also working with the crew. And I think that, um, in order to get people's trust, you have to trust them to do their job. And I, uh, can often tell, not always, but when I'm talking to people about working on shows that I'm crewing up, um, whether or not they're a good fit. And, uh, Lon is completely right. We don't want assholes on our show. It doesn't, uh, make for a good work environment and it doesn't make people want to come to work. So, um, that's definitely, uh, one of the best, <laughs> one of the best, um, guides to putting people together. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what the job title is until you, for anybody, until you do something wrong. Um, so uh, I do make mistakes, but the fact that you don't uh, exactly know all of the decisions that I make makes me really feel really good and happy. And I know that sounds weird, but it means that um, that everything seems to flow really smoothly on that show. And you're right. I think a lot of that had to do with the incredible group of people that we had on that show. I don't think that we could have had a better group of people because it was such a hard show and so many variables and so many pieces of the puzzle that we had to have such a, a good group of people in order to accomplish what we did on that show, you know? Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, I'll talk about Carrie Bruno next. Um, Carrie, I met on Westworld. And what you'll start to see here is kind of like um, what was amazing in getting to be a part of the show from the beginning was getting to pull the people, the kind of the greatest hits from the all the shows I've done in the last five to ten years. Um, you know, DPs, Greg Middleton, Andre Parekh, Carrie, I met on Westworld. Um, and Casey, it was leftovers and American crime and, um, and Steph and I had overlapped on the Americans and kind of became gal pals, both on a human level and a, and a career level. And it's been, she's been an invaluable sounding board to me on both. And it was so exciting to get to bring her on this. Um, Carrie and Casey, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear you both talk about what's really interesting. What you have to do is, you know, obviously you're working with the director, but you're also working with the rotating AD. And how does that kind of collaboration from AD to AD who you're rotating with, even though you two didn't specifically rotate 
across each other in your careers, what that experience is like, and um, kind of how you see your role between director and um, Karen and Regina. You know, I know that's a big question, but, um, you know, kind of always keeping in mind trust where, you know, where does that come from? Carrie, why don't you go first and then Casey? Um, I guess I'll address, uh, like in general, um, you know, I think, and maybe this is trusting Karen. I usually go into, uh, ultimately, or you, Nikki, ultimately, it's like, I, I kind of go to production sort of knowing like with a basic trust, like, okay, everybody's here because they know how to do their jobs and they want to be here. And, um, and then for me, um, I, I feel like I'll have to earn people's trust by, um, simply, um, maybe showing people that I'm willing to give every ounce of myself in order to make, um, something happen for, for them. And so then the trick is between say the director and the UPM, like, okay, the, the director might want this, but the UPM says, well, I would love that, but we can't afford it. So how can we come, you know, and meet in the middle? And so then I feel like sometimes it's my job to, you know, sort of blend those things together and come up with some kind of a compromise, um, that, that everybody feels comfortable with. Um, and then, uh, and then also just do my part as, as much as I, as I can. Um, in terms of working with other ADs, uh, you know, I think it is sometimes calling around, Hey, did, have you ever worked with so-and-so? Do you, how is this person? What are they like? You know? And then there's a few probably, uh, like things that somebody would say that you can immediately know, okay, this person is like this, you know, uh, mellow or, or, um, efficient or, um, aggressive, you know, any kind of call word that would, you know, and you would say, oh, okay, okay. I think I kind of know the archetype of this AD. Um, and then, you know, then you meet that person. And, um, although it gives you sort of like, uh, for example, with Casey, I heard just amazing, funny, awesome. And so I went, you know, you'd go into that with like, okay, she's amazing, funny and awesome, you know? And, and then of course, as you get to know somebody, um, you obviously make the decision for yourself with Casey. It's easy. She's amazing, funny and awesome. So, uh, it's true. Everybody believes it. Um, so <laughs> that was easy. And I think in terms of, I think it's just, you know, generally, I, I think it's good to kind of trust the other AD as much as you can, like give as much as you can to the other person so that they can, you know, whatever you know, so that they can um, also uh, succeed in what they're doing. Because ultimately, we're all a team and we want everybody to do well. And I guess to address uh, the trust of actors from an AD standpoint is... um you know, speaking to Regina or any cast member is, um, you know, making sure that they're arriving to an environment that feels safe and that feels like um, we're ready for them to do their work. And um, so that whether it's quiet or, uh, you know, calm, 
anything that we can do to do that. And that's not only just when, uh, you know, they're coming to shoot, but also when they're going to base camp and getting ready, because I think that's also a process where, where, um, it's very important for the environment to be nice. And I think, you know, so then you hire people. Okay. I know this really, a lot of times we call them base camp ADs, but who can we put in base camp to be the, the front men that, that will be the face of, of, um, of the show, the minute that the actors arrive, you know, and then also who, who is the second, you know, is the second, a good person, a good communicator. Are they telling them everything that they need to know? And, um, and you trust that they are obviously, and maybe until something goes, uh, awry, you know, or some information wasn't passed. And, you know, I think in general, uh, those are details like you can just, okay, so if something goes wrong or something doesn't happen, you can kind of talk with somebody and sort of work it out. I think you you trust enough that also people can, um, can, can take information that might be critical and then, and then turn it into a positive, you know? So, um, I think I've answered, uh, these yeah. questions, but That's great. those are my thoughts. Thanks for going first, Gary. Nice <laughs> <job>. <laughs> um, so uh, with the trust lens, first of all, in working with Karen um, and Ron as well, but in doing the, you know, formulating the schedule, what was particular to this show and to working with those two in general is um, there's not the, I turn in a 16 day schedule and they say, get it down to 14. There's the team effort of like, what is the reality of what we're trying to tackle here? Do we need to figure out a way that it can be 16 with second unit stuff going on or, you know, that kind of thing. It was just a team effort as we, um, uh, yeah, as we tackle the task at hand. And with this one, this particular show, I came in um, for ended later episodes six and eight. So when I came in, there was some knowledge of what the, what the machine was. So, uh, you know, Karen would be like, just so you know, there's reality of how long our shots take because this is the most precise mm-hmm. show I, I've ever been a part of, you know? So, um, so I think it's that they are having my back in helping me make the best plan in what they approve. And then the trust of knowing that I'm trying to put the best puzzle together. I think there's just that back and forth, but not this butting of heads. I know, Carrie, I agree with you. Sometimes you go, you relay something that's from your brain or director's brain or whatever, and they're like, red flag, let's talk that out. You know, it's not all smooth sailing uh, or, you know, tossing out money constantly because there's a reality of what we're doing. But in general, there is the, we are all good at our jobs. We are all respectfully trying to um, tell, you know, make a great show. And what are the steps along the way to get there, I guess, in terms of what our zones are. So I think in working with Karen and Ron, it's just, it's, um, they're on your team, which is helpful. It's not, uh, go ahead, Nikki, are you saying something? No, I made that up. Um, then, uh, in terms of working with other ADs, Carrie, um, I mean, in general, it's ships passing in the night, I feel like, because you're overlapping if it's true episodic. Um, I didn't meet Carrie on the show. We, we uh, crossed paths later. But um, the other 80s that were there, yeah, this was, there was a little bit more handoff going on because there was additional, 
second unit things happening or, um, you know, second, um, additional photography type things coming up. So we were interacting more than some shows, but in general, you don't see the other AD too much. You do make the phone calls like Carrie said, and just kind of know what your, uh, partner in crime is going to be. But I think it's, um, hoping there's someone that will have the same vibe that you try to have on set, whatever one's take on the, on the job is. So there's some consistency and, and just really being mindful not that I'm wired to do that, but you see it happen, but just always being respectful of one another too. When you do that switch out, sometimes it can be the like, Oh, you know, blah, blah about that person. And just never bad mouthing and like always being, uh, um, just forward moving, not, not, not making a competition out of something that isn't inherently competitive. doesn't need to be. Um, in terms of working with cast, I think it's a lot of what Carrie said, but also just wanting the actors to feel like we are respecting and valuing their time on every level along the way. So, you know, timing out their arrival at base camp in a way that flows when, when, when we think we'll be ready and, and, um, avoiding surprises, you know, I think you develop trust that way when you know, I, I worked with Regina first specifically as a second AD. So we had that, um, dynamic first, which I think helped, um, when I phased into first thing, she continuing to, uh, be awesome in the acting zone. But, um, yeah, I think it's just, uh, avoiding surprises and, and a sense that you're looking out for their best interest. Ultimately the efforts of 200 people, end up it all comes to what the cast does in front of the camera like so we have to make that as smooth as possible because that's everything we've done is leading up to that moment you know so i think that's the big thing is just welcome no one's going to be screaming at you you know we're all like let people take their time to do uh the magic that they do and i think regarding what carrie said about the team and what karen had touched on too is the uh, no asshole policy just applies within the AD department too, which I think was what you were touching on too, Carrie. It's like, um, just if, if my approach is try to be like a kind leader, I want everyone on the team to have that same mindset. I want, you know, everyone to embody that. So I think that's the, the version of the no asshole policy that helps with the trust from everybody. If, if it means fewer problems come to Karen from our, our world. It means the cast feels well taken care of all of those kinds of details. So. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, a thing that there are a couple words are coming to my mind as I hear everyone talking and it's, uh, work ethic. Number one, um, being collaborative and transparent. And I, you know, I was thinking about what, you know, some of the things probably two things I do when I come on earlier as I did with this and um, the show clause is I actually distribute the lookbook I made to get the job. I send it to everyone, the entire crew and the cast. And, um, and I saw that it actually surprised people, but I felt why not let everyone know and see the movie that we're all trying to make. And, um, and also passion. I mean, that you just can't, it's contagious. Um, you know, if, if you love it, hopefully the next person will. And that, 
Um, those are the two things I really try and do to kind of spread the love and the enthusiasm for the show and for how hard we're going to work because everybody is sacrificing a lot of time from the home. You know, that's just um, goes with the territory. Maybe that'll be changing a little bit as we come out of COVID to be determined. Um, but Steph, hi. Um, and I, oh, I just want to say when Carrie was talking, I remember Carrie was cold too. I had to win Carrie's trust. And, um, you know, and Steph, you've had a career very similar to mine. And, um, and there's that thing we leap in and it's funny to remember these moments of trust because, um, it happens in the first day and by day two, day three, you feel Ideally, you're like this with the person. And it's it's very funny to remember not because the love is so deep <laughs> between all of these people here. Um, but I am just uh, curious to hear from your eyes um, when you arrive as the guest director, um, what, you know, how you assess the situation, like kind of, I guess just talk about trust again from both sides, like um, how how people earn your trust and how we um, and how you might, you know, how what what values you have. Um, I'm going to pause just there before I let you talk to say um, that, you know, I. You know, I got to be producing director on this, but also learned so much from the producing directors that gave me a break and from the different shows I worked on. And Leftovers really was a highlight. Um, you know, Mimi Leader was extraordinary in terms of setting me up for success. And then the way they ran, ran that show, um, the way Damon ran it, is that there's not a writer on set to kind of run it with you. It's you are running that episode. You are directing it. You are the person making all the decisions in real time. It felt so much like being on making a feature. Um, and, and that was so important to me to pass that on that the directors that came, I didn't want to be on set. It's, you know, to, I had that trust and I needed to trust you. Thank you. Um, can you guys hear me? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was just thinking um, that Steve, um, your husband, when we were traveling to the DGA Awards together prior to your mm win, -hmm. said that um, <clears throat> after we would talk, because sometimes either you weren't in town or weren't physically together, um, or you, or you were just juggling the 12 other things while I was prepping my episode that you would um, turn to him and say, God, she asked a really good question. Mm. And um, I feel like so much of an episodic director's journey, those first few days are having done the, the internal work of getting to know your own script, if, if you have it, your, um, your, your piece of the storytelling, as far as you can understand it, you know, you come into this very compressed prep with so many resources and so many questions. 
And I feel like a lot of what, because there was trust, um, a kind of, like as Karen said, this sort of basic energetically, this feeling of trust and invitation that it's an invitation to learn, um, uh, who do I trust with which question? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then as we ask the questions together, um, we all kind of get to see each other and we all start to under, I start to understand, okay, well, well, Damon's, you know, he's talking to Christian in this way. And I start to see their trust, their relationship and how they're bringing you into the conversation and how you're asking questions and how, how our showrunner who has this vision is, is, um, is both, uh, you know, supplying this inspiration, but also really listening to us. And, and, and in mid process in, in the middle of a series, I think the privilege is, um, you're, you're in the middle of all this trust building. It's still happening and it's, there's still, and it's, it's, um, you know, you're kind of coming into, and you can admire what has been built and you can, and you can be additive. And I think that, um, I, that only, that starts with the, with the, with the invitation and the welcoming that you provide as producing director, as EP, as trailblazer. And then it continues when, um, there's a sort of a natural curve of, 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 um, not just seeing everyone's talent, but I, I guess trust is nuanced. You know, I, I'm going to trust this person. I'm, I'm feeling trust around money here mm. that this isn't, I'm not being limited. Um, I'm being guided with, with what's really available from this person. And, and here I'm finding, wow, I'm finding a little keyhole into Damon's brain through, through Christian and Nikki. Wow. Like, and through Steven and I, and I can use that mm-hmm. path. Um, um, with my, with my questions. And then of course you're looping back to your own empowerment to pitch and to pitch with passion, like you just said, um, because in that, in that environment created, you are free to have big dreams about your episode. Mm -hmm. Um, which I really felt it was, my episode was such a, a gift in so many ways, but, you know, together with Tim, we just could, there just felt like every idea can matter in this group and we can trust each other with, um, interrogation, a nature of interrogation into the idea that's thoughtful and respectful and not fear-based. I guess that's a really big, I feel like as an episodic director, you can go into shows and just feel the fear that's Mm -hmm. floating in the, whether it's a, a fear of a sort of dominant, cold or closed leader or um, someone who just will more likely make you feel not good enough than good enough to be there. And that is so insipid and contagious in a group. Um, and I just, this was just the op- quite the opposite. And I think um, then you're inspired to create the same environment for those you, you're, you're then you know, privileged to lead. Nice. And that, um, you know, one thing I learned also in similarly is that when you show up to a show that's, if you're dropping in on an episode, 
um, it's clear from the moment you arrive or even the emails before you arrive, where you, whether you're arriving as an invited guest and or the substitute teacher. And, um, and it's, it's killer, you know, when it's, when it's the latter. And I know they're not doing it consciously, um, but it's, and that's from all the way top to the, all the way through the crew. Um, and so that was something. So the difference when I arrived feeling appreciated, I just was already, it took so much of the work, the political work aside, so I could just do the job and focus on the creativity. And that was so important to me, bringing the directors on the show. And I, I really, um, in advance, wanted you guys to feel welcome and made sure to spread the word that so-and-so is arriving here. She's awesome. Um, I trust them implicitly. We do. Um, so I'm so glad you felt that way. And, um, and that what makes me want to kind of circle back again to Regina. Um, you know, as an actor, you know, a lot of us have a feeling most audience has thought a lot about the actor director relationship. But I love what Carrie and Casey said of the truth is, you know, obviously a lot of the work on the character you're doing in prep, whether with the director or talking to Damon directly. Um, but the, I, you know, I always say your the performance does start, um, in the car ride to set or in the, you know, the makeup trailer, like that world is so important because whatever happens in there, that energy comes to set. Um, so could you talk about just from your perspective, maybe as an AD, I mean, as an actor and now, you know, director, you're directing a lot. She's done her first feature. Yeah. Um, um, but what your relationship to ADs are and to Karen UPM, like I, I know you've got a direct channel to them as well. And when do you kind of choose to go to all these how do you choose who to go to? Right. I, that's a great question, I think, um, because uh, it is choosing when and uh, where to go to, you know, Karen, you know, because if I'm always going to Karen, then Karen's going to be like, oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, you don't want to burn your Trump card too soon. Um, but um, the thing that's very interesting in this conversation uh, about Carrie and Casey, you know, the first AD position, you know, they're really the, the, the glue that, that keeps everything together. And, you know, on a given day from personal things that could be going on with, uh, an actor to the lines aren't quite right. And, you know, the exchange that you're having with the writer is not, fixing whatever it is that's the problem to um, another actor you're having a problem with, you know, Casey and Carrie get this information and uh, have to decide whether or not they're going to bring it to Karen or they're going to bring it to uh, Nicole or they're going to bring it to Steph. And if they are, have to tailor it perfectly so that everything doesn't implode when or if they do deliver said information. Mm -hmm. And um, finally having the experience as a director, 
for the first time, you come back to set and you respect all of that so much more. So uh, I would say that becoming a director definitely changed the way I communicated or what I communicated to um, director, producer, uh, AD. Um, I think coming back to um, uh, uh, the first thing that I did after I directed, I, I definitely can say when, when we're talking about trust, uh, trusted the first ADs even more and realized how, while I knew that, they, that, that they're a necessity, um, how much they can be an ally and um, how, um, and, and, and how it is important uh, to be very clear with the information I want to give them um, uh, and, and, and know that if I am giving it to them emotionally, um, uh, have created enough trust with them that they're not going to take advantage of that. Um, because sometimes, especially depending with, with Watchmen, um, you know, we had a lot of emotional scenes, um, emotional scenes happening at three in the morning. And um, uh, a lot of times I'd have to lean on Carrie or Casey uh, to uh, let the director know that um, if we don't get to this soon, I'm, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be out of scene. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes I would be relating that to them very passionately. Uh, and sometimes it would be just, especially with Case and I already having established relationship, uh, prior to Watchmen, um, with Casey, sometimes it would just be a, a look, you know, <laughs> so, and then she would just kind of like, get that okay yeah um we need to to make sure we we, we when she when we when she hits the set we get through this because it, it, it's a, a emotional scenes are really they take a lot out of you and um you want to respect the rest of the crew and you know that they that in order for us to reach the finish line you can't reach it without um them doing their jobs but um at the end of the day, uh, no one is looking uh, at the credits when it's a bad performance to see, you know, who the cameraman was or a camera person um, is. So uh, I, I just uh, my 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 level of communication, my <laughs> communication uh, with. Um, Producers and and ads and directors definitely um, change for the better after having directed myself. Awesome, um, you know. I'd say again, another unifying thought coming up here for me is story first, and that um, the thing I feel out so early on in meeting a crew member and especially ADs, Karen, um, and producers, it's the people that just mean the world to me are the ones that put the story first. And Casey, you said it, like when there's a problem, it's a collaboration to find the solution. And, um, you know, I've been on shows where 
you know, I'm sitting at a table with a lot of people and they're all just looking at me if like, well, how are you going to do that? And a big light bulb moment for me was like, wait, there's five people from the DGA here. This is a team DJ effort. You're telling me I have this much time, yet this much story to tell. Help. And, um, and I just like, when you feel right away that everybody on the crew is truly reading these words and is so excited to tell this story, um, it just is so supportive and, um, and, and makes you really trust again that those logistical decisions allocating time and money and resources are all there to put the best version of the story on screen. Um, you know, cause we all will bump into the people that are just running the numbers and want to hand in the, the leanest budget. And, you know, I remember one job finishing and somebody having coming, the line producer coming and say, we, and we even saved $10,000. And it's like, why? <laughs> you know, like, like where that's just, that's a shot or two shots or, you know, I, you know, it's like, so I know, and that, and I understand, you know, actually, Karen, it's a great question to you because talk about trust, like HBO is trusting us with this enormous budget. And, um, you know, how, how do you kind of make that bridge of, um, you have to be fiscally responsible. You know, we can't be coming in over budget or overtime every day. Um, how do you do that dance, Karen, of wanting story and, and to have the numbers be reasonable? On this project, I had an amazing partners with Ron and Joe. Yeah. And I think that we, uh, we, you just have to look at the bigger picture. And I think whenever we're discussing budget problems or trying to find solutions um, with, you know, all together, but it's more of a team effort. Like we're all kind of looking at it as like whenever we were in a place where we saw something that was going to be more expensive or something that we weren't able to obtain budgetarily, we were pretty vocal about it with everybody. And it seemed like whenever we would have production meetings or department meetings, we would bring those things up with everyone and we would all come up with a solution together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you have to do as a group. I mean, it's, it's, I know I keep saying it and it may sound super lame, but it's like such a team effort. Mm -hmm. And um, and in order for it to be successful, it has to be a team effort, in my opinion. And I think that's what works out um, successfully on shows that I've been, you know, lucky to be a part of. So, and that's something that I learned over the years of doing this job. I think the easiest answer is no. Mm. The hardest that the more hard, the harder thing is to try to figure out a solution, right? I mean, no is so easy. And it was like such an easy answer for me when I first started this job, but that doesn't get you where you want to be in the end. Right. Yeah. So well, thank you for not saying no <laughs> many times as you didn't. And um, again, collaboration, I think, all of us, um, 
I think most of us go into film because we're artists, but who want to work with people and as a team. And um, so with that, those are my questions. I don't know if any of the panelists have questions or if you want to open it up now to audience. Um, but this has been delicious. Um, any of you guys have any questions? I don't have any questions. I just want to say this is just, you know, when we first got on and, and, and said hi to everybody, I kind of got chills because this is, um, in, in, in a lot of ways, groundbreaking, even though I've worked for so many years to, uh, have this many women, uh, in these positions at the same time. Um, I don't think I've ever had that before on a project, not to say that I don't love the men, um, but to have, um, you know, I spoke about Nikki and, and having the command presence, you know, it's something that all of you have and, 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 but still are able to, um, um, the, to be gentle and have the command presence. Um, and I've experienced, uh, uh, that in a way um, that was just magnified. It started with, you know, uh, Nikki and, and Casey probably before Nikki. And then now it's just, you know, uh, to the one, two, three, four, five, six power. So um, um, when um, I just want to say how much I appreciate you guys. I really, really do. And the experience on Watchmen so just to, to have the opportunity to say it to all of you together, you know, is is you, you you leap at the moment when you when these moments come. So I just want to say thank you and I love you, ladies. Thank you, Regina. <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> all right. So now they can open it up to questions. <laughs> all right. Oh, I cannot thank you all so much. This has been incredibly um, inspiring. And I feel like my heart just grew a size. So thank you. Um, so I have a bunch of different questions. Um, we'll just jump in. Um, we have a question from Sean, a really interesting question. Did the crew have to take a crash history course on the actual Tulsa massacre? And she's assuming uh, that many crew members knew nothing about this massacre. That Carrie and I can talk to that. Um, they didn't have to, but they were well invited to. Um, uh, Damon had introduced me to a book, and and then I, you know, quickly shared that book. Carrie's um, is Tulsa Burning, the Burning. Yeah, the Burning yeah. by Tim Madigan. Yeah, so I read that and just underlined everything. And Carrie had her whole team read it, and then. Um, we we came up with the story of the actual scene we were going to film. Um, you know, Damon wrote this extraordinary scene. You know, you start in the theater, the father comes in, they run. You know, I knew the geography that we had to go and get into a garage. Um, and then what we did was we pulled the actual events that happened on that day and put them in that sequence. And I'll let Carrie talk a little more to that, but um, 
in advance, it was our first day of filming. Um, I asked Damon to write a letter to the cast and crew um, to both prepare and also honor um, both the victims of the event and all the people that were going to have to reenact this um, because it was brutal. You know, and you're asking people to reenact brutal things, whether they're a victim or a perpetrator. Um, and on the morning of the first day of filming on the set, uh, we had a priest come in and bless the set. Um, but Carrie, I would love you to talk about, um, I mean, it was the, your request that we rehearse in advance with background was unprecedented in my experience. And you just on your own took on creating the boards for people to be able to look at over the two days of filming. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I was so, I, well, first of all, I just want to say that in, in tandem with Lisa Zugschwartz, who was my second AD and who was equally passionate about bringing this story, um, you know, to screen in the most, um, like, uh, honest and genuine way. We, uh, you know, obviously read the book, um, did a lot of underlining, like Nikki created lists of certain things, um, that we knew background could do or little vignettes behind Nikki's right. Like uh, it was basically the cast moving from point A to point B from the theater to the garage. And it was kind of a long route. So, um, you know, we were, we worked, uh, together with Nikki to create vignettes that could be happening that were historically accurate, um, you know, in the, in the background. And, um, we created, yes, we created boards. Uh, we did a lot more research than just that book. Obviously we, we, um, uh, we had boards, we did have a rehearsal with, um, with the background, which yes, is pretty unprecedented. I mean, I've done it since, um, that was sort of this, that started it. And then I recently did another thing that required uh, us to do that as well. And um, we created a, uh, you know, a map, uh, a 3D map um, with uh, um, the layout of the, the set and kind of in advance figured out what everybody was doing that wasn't cast, all the stunts and all the the people. Um, in uh we showed that to them we showed them what they, we wanted everybody to do and during our rehearsal we uh spent a lot of time most of the time really kind of telling everybody about this massacre um you know i think the book's labeled riot but it's it was truly just a massacre and um and you know i think uh it was important for us especially working um you know, with people that are going to be performing acts that are brutal. You know, we have white people that are performing acts against black people. Um, and of course that makes them uncomfortable. Uh, black people just sort of receiving that treatment, um, that's uncomfortable. And so it was really important for us, uh, to get the story out. And by the way, no, I, I can honestly say I never, I never heard of it prior to that. And I think most of us hadn't. Um, I think my AD Lisa, uh, had in passing, but, um, we never really examined it like we did for this. And I just felt like I knew that this was so important to get right. 
Uh, we all did, right? I, um, we had many discussions about it um, from top to bottom. And so, uh, you know, talking with the background, it kind of, we, we created like, you know, we didn't rehearse with every single background member, but we had a core of like, I think it was 50, maybe 100 people. And um, in total, we worked with about 250 people on set. And um, uh, we invite, not only did we talk about the subject, we invited people to talk about it. And so it was like this really beautiful um, uh, day where we just sort of discussed this event. And we ended up garnering the trust of all these people. And when I tell you that I've never, ever seen background operate the way these people did in such heat um, under the blazing sun, two days straight. And I never felt like anybody was um, like, it was just an incredible effort. And, uh, and I think it was because we did the rehearsal. Um, we had a lot of people who felt like, wow, these people really want to bring something to the screen that's important that nobody knows about. A lot of the people that we you know, we were rehearsing with, um, black and white included, did not know about it. Uh, we're floored by this event. Um, so I feel like, uh, you know, it was, in a way, it was, it was just, it felt very important and very special. Um, we did, we had a priest that came and talked. Damon gave words. Nicole um, spoke. I spoke. And then it was like, um, and then we just started. And it was so powerful, even that first shot, seeing everybody and the stuntmen and the background and the actors, the cast doing this. It was like, it was just mind blowing. Um, I really feel like of anything I've ever done, it's definitely like the most important and the best thing I've ever done. I mean, honestly. Um, I don't know if you answered the question. I started blabbing. You did. But I also, it beautifully, thank you. And it really, it was extraordinary, powerful thing to go through. And I want to tie that back to what Karen does. Like, again, I can't um, say enough how unique it is that you guys approved this rehearsal. You know, we, we did it. We brought in 50 background. and. Um, you know, that, that asked the first, you know, I saw the look in the faces when we asked and I was like, Oh, <laughs> but then like, then we really said, this is the aggregate upside. You know, we wanted three days to shoot it. We had a day and a half, you know, cause it, half yeah. of the day went to the garage. Um, so again, just seeing to have the trust in the people, you know, Karen, Ron, Joe, who are the producers just saying, Yes, that is money well spent and that they respected, you know, it was Carrie's idea, um, you know, and that it, it was such a good idea and that people, you know, that whole thought, the saying that, you know, the best idea wins or that, you know, that it was a safe space to say things that might be out of the box, right. but could be heard. And, um, you know, and I also want to, again, HBO's investment in getting this right, you know, that the very first place I went location scouting, we did a five-state tour to find that we would to land in Atlanta. But we started in Tulsa and we started in Greenwood, you know, and we went there. And again, that's um, having that support from the studio to get the vision right. 
um, was invaluable. And we met with people in Greenwood and saw where it stood. You know, most of these places are only little plaques and a piece of concrete now. Um, and the two kind of big indicators on the day of filming to me, or the two days, um, are two that we were, that we were doing it as best as we could was, you know, seeing background between takes, just sitting on a bench laughing. And these are people who are just a moment ago getting thrown over a bench or cradling someone who's dying, like weeping. And to see that the background actors were still having a great time was again, a huge, you know, credit to Carrie and her team. Um, and then our little boy and the dad, um, they met, I think I got them together just once before filming. Um, but the most, I saw the most beautiful thing the second day, because on day one, I mean, you know, the boys in that man's arms all day long, you know, and, and just never stopped holding, holding him. And, um, for all of those takes and on day two, I was following Danny onto set. And without even making eye contact, he just levitated and the father caught him. And it was like they had already, in that amount of time, there was that level of trust. And in a way, it's a great metaphor for what we're all doing with each other, you know. Wow, that's beautiful. Mind-blowing, literally. Oh, uh, wow. Um, we're getting a lot of questions about this lookbook. So, um, Nicole, we'd love to hear about what it is. Some people want to know what it is. What did you include in it? How did you put it together? At what point did you put it together when you pitched to get the job or when you already had it? And then uh, we'd love to hear from everybody, from Regina to the ADs to Steph also. How did you, how, what, how, what role did this lookbook play in your process, if any at all? Yeah. Um, so um, a lookbook is literally a book, and I'll grab it when somebody talks next, and I'll show it. But um, when, and I got it, I made it um, to win the job. Um, you know, Damon and I spoke, he sent me the script, I read the script, and then I called him up and like, just said all these words of why I had to do it, why it moved me so much, how I saw it. And, um, and he's like, that's awesome. Um, now there's a couple other people who are wanting this job too. Can you, you know, put something down? And I was like, Oh, um, so I did. And I, I, um, and what I literally did was I wrote an essay on why I had to direct this. And then I visually wrote, you know, pulled the images um, to say, this is what this is going to look like and, and had text going along with it of like why I was making those choices along the way. Because this, you know, any director at that point is very subjective, you know, and there's no wrong. It's just a choice. Um, and I felt... Um, you know, and I, and I did that also for Claws, and I've done it for other pieces I plan to do. And that then um, everybody, there's no mystery as to what's going to end up on screen or what the goal is. Um, so I find them really invaluable. And I technically work with a graphic designer because I am, I'm not techie that way. Um, so I say to the designer, 
these are the movies I definitely am pulling images from. These are the categories I want them to go in. And then they do a whole other level of search. And they, they take those words and then for a day, just do an image search. And then I go through the images and tag all the ones I love. And then, and then they, you know, format it. Um, so I'm bringing the words and bringing the ideas and then together we physically organize it. Um, and again, I'll, I'll run and grab it while somebody answers the question. I'll, I'll play this. And I'll just say it's really lovely to, I mean, I think we all as, uh, as crew members and episodic directors, definitely. And I think every crew member loves showing up to a lookbook and Nikki didn't only have a lookbook available because we haven't really seen the show yet at this point, we've just arrived. And then you also had a world book, mm -hmm. which was incredible, which was also the breadth of research that had been done and the kind of source material. There we go. So this is not just, you know, it's just ideas. So just different categories. Um, but, you know, they're, they're out there in the industry. You can definitely, Steph's made them, Regina's made them. You know, it's, you can get your hands on it kind of becomes our shared um, Bible, I guess, for the show. And I think we are always testing our ideas against that and expanding it in dialogue. Um, but it certainly provides this sort of touchstone. And what was really fun about the production office was it, there was sort of a coffee table setting and the original source material, Nikki's world book, uh, the lookbook. And, you, you know, I just remember feeling this is one of the most visual office experiences I've had walking into a show, you know? Um, so yeah, an incredible resource. Yeah. We put those images up everywhere just so that, you know, I, I just kind of wanted that feeling of osmosis that this, um, you know, this is the story, this is the look. And again, a lot of production design was up in this, you know, area, um, costume, uh, all different kinds of things, but um, that was fun. I'll throw out there too that the when you talk about trust, Nikki, I know that's a theme of this conversation, but from from the AD's perspective, when you come into that amount of prep work that has already happened, that clarity of vision, it's just, it's such a comforting thing to see, knowing I'm going to give it my all in the job, give every waking moment to it, to know immediately that you're working with someone who cares and is going to put in all that effort and that prep work. And, um, it, it's just, uh, it, it's a, an immediate bridge between us in that process. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's helpful from our end psychologically as well as, uh, physically and knowing kind of what we're trying to help put in motion. Yeah. I, I'm just would echo the same thing. And what I do know from talking to other crew members, um, is that they received it the same way. Um, Chris Cuevos is our um, a camera operator. And I just remember, um, I can't remember which episode, but Chris is like, you know, my uh, surrogate brother. You know, I just, I, I, I love that guy. But uh, I remember him saying, you know, Nikki just, you know, she's just, she, the way she prepares, she's just incredible, her preparation. And, um, when you're coming into something that doesn't already exist visually, 
um, but um, exists in text and in drawings. And then to know when you're reading the pilot that, yeah, but we're not doing what that comic book um, uh, 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 is, is, is saying, but well, I know we're doing something, just don't know quite what it looks like. You know, to have that lookbook uh, gives us all something to um, be working towards, you know, that, that it gives us a collective goal that we all um, understand to be the same. Because sometimes you come into a project, even because um, uh, so, our, our show, a lot of storyboarding, Nikki would have the storyboards there on set which again is, is, it goes in the same spirit of the lookbook. So a lot of times you can go into something and think that it's a collective effort, think you're all on the same page and you're not. And I know that all of you have experienced it before. You know, you even think you've communicated something and you get there in the moment and you go, oh, that's what they thought I meant. Hmm. Yeah, that wasn't it. So then we're doing a lot of solution-based thinking to uh, um, right that uh, wrong. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily wrong. We're human. You know, we interpret things differently. But the lookbook um, allows for less um, moment of misinterpretation to happen. Amazing. Um, kind of in the same vein, there are a bunch of questions about also like uh, previs, previs um, using previs for some of the more outlandish scenes so also from an actor standpoint what's it like to react to being catapulted and thrown by you know explosions or being thrown into space and all that and so what kind of work went into uh, the pre-visits for that and i'm assuming everything was storyboarded and plotted out um, everything, everything was storyboarded or plotted out you, you know the team that has conversations with nikki our stunt coordinator prior to, and then they kind of go off and um, uh, coordinate a, uh, a sequence. Uh, it's like a dance almost, if you will. And those previs, I think, are very helpful for, um, you know, not to speak for Nikki, but uh, sometimes they're way more than what needs to be, or they need to be, um, um, uh, redirected and, and it helps us not uh waste time on set time is money so those those th those pre definitely um creates uh, uh greater chances of success when we're on set and when you have an amazing stunt double like um i, I have um she's and and i don't want to just say her this stunt team you know that need to say um they're able to um, make those changes beforehand um, that need to be made so that uh, the, the, they are in the spirit of the visual story that um, Nikki and Demon um, and Steph uh, want to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, uh, for me, it also uh, allows me when I, I usually get the previs once the director has approved it. And so then it'll come to me. And at that point, I can call Nikki and say, yes, yeah, so Sadiqa will be doing this part for sure. And you have about two takes of me doing this. And yes, I cannot wait to do this part. So it, it's it's several. The pre-biz allows for um, 
us to have very clear conversations about what we're going to do. Yeah, and I'll just add that um, for action, that was exactly how we used it. And then also for sequences that were world building. Um, Steph had a big one with, you know, Jeremy's character landing on Europa. Um, I did a previs for um, the cattle battle in the pilot. And for these sequences that were really tricky to figure out the visual effects of, um, it allowed us to communicate because the VFX takes so long to build. Um, it allowed them to start building shots as soon as the previs was approved. Um, and then it was great to have in the editing room because then we could cut in those shots into the cut that might not show up for three months or six months. Um, anything else you want to add to that stuff? I was just going to, I'm remembering places where um, it's just another conversation, um, trusting conversation, because actually the first communication I received was a pre was a kind of opening previs of the Europa sequence. Um, and then I worked and then I, you know, started, began work on pulling away from young uh, looking glass to see the squid. And I remember that um, for that sequence, I think it's interesting. The, you know, the beginning of that sequence is uh, a set, our set and our extras and our, our sort of destroyed um, uh, cone. Uh, it's not cone, is it? It's, um, no. Uh, <laughs> my God, Tony. Yeah. Um, and and I remember that um, Eric are incredible. And this is again another place where Karen and HBO and what we're investing in our VFX sequences comes into play. But Eric had visualized a pullout from above, like this, right? And I had visualized a pullout this way from our character's face. And we had just met, and within three minutes, you know, we were into our shot planning uh, with VFX so that he could get the proper previs going so that we could plan this enormous sequence in real time. And I think that um, the, this, this sort of new world we're in where we're, where our VFX designers and these massive teams, um, you know, the, the, it's a hand, it's a, it's a, it's a handhold. It's, it's your vision and their technology and their understanding of the story. Um, and again, it's another set of relationships and, and another set of um, trust building that, that was, um, but I always felt as I always felt, um, again, that Eric and the team, it was, um, it was, what can we do? It was the how there was never a no, um, as, as Karen put it, there was only how and what's the best way and what's the best idea. I mean, that wrong. shot was incredible, by the way, mm -hmm. the clowns with the Ferris wheel to the squid, just brilliant. Mind blowing. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so, and each of you, this is a question for each of you. I think you might have answered it already, maybe Nicole, but maybe not. Like, what scenes were you most nervous about? And what did you learn that you did not expect? I can say that uh, I, I worked on um, episode six, which was the um, uh, Hooded Justice backstory episode. So meant to have a one feel for the majority of the episode. and. Um, I mean, was nervous for the majority of those scenes because it was a my nature and b um, 
will will this take two hours or will this take eight hours? It's just a matter of when we get it, you know, and the sensitivity that you that to a a degree what you were talking about with the Tulsa massacre that we you know putting nooses on people and so on is is um it's it's like it's just a terrible thing to be a part of even though it's so creatively worthy um so the the scene I think of to answer the question is uh there was a, a bar scene where Javon and Danielle, Hooded Justice, Will Reeves, and June, his uh, future wife. It, that was probably like a three-page scene, but it involved Chris Cuevos doing a lap around the camera, Regina hiding to do two switches with, <laughs> with Javon, um, and the piano getting pushed in through the door. You know, just the timing of all of that was we did pre-rehearse uh, all of this stuff, but it, um, I think it was just the, that scene in particular just had so many variables. And the main variable is, again, is this a third of our day or is this all of our day? <laughs> We're going to see what happens. And, uh, um, yeah, I think that was a, that whole, any scene like that was a little bit nerve wracking just because we're planners, you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, you know, but I did learn to answer part two of the question. I just learned to trust my gut a bit that you have uh, a a sense of like, it's going to be somewhere in this window, but I think it's going to be about this and it, um, time-wise and, uh, and yeah, I think that was the main takeaway is, uh, there's a lot of guessing, but I, but your gut kind of knows what's going to happen here. So. Well, I guess I'm kind of, would have to, um, kind of piggyback on what Casey said for me it was that episode six just I was not and it still hits me emotionally now when you brought uh, expecting to be that emotional um um when that episode and and feel the things that I felt experience having my character having to experience what her grandfather was experiencing and then on a deeper level um, knowing that, you know, I have ancestors that have experienced that and just, I get very emotional because when I think about all of those days that we spent together, it didn't just only hit me as a black woman emotionally. It hit everyone, every single one of our crew members. Um, I, I remember, um, every time we would have to do have the noose put on my neck and get so emotional for me. And it got emotional for our props. Um, Brett. Yeah. Um, um, it was very emotional for Brett and I, and for him to have to put that on me, it brought him to tears. And um, we just had a moment afterwards because I had to let him know that it didn't, it wasn't anything personal. Um, but it, it was just these emotions that were coming up and he broke down and he said, I'm having the same emotions. And then I stopped and looked at the entire crew and everyone was just like bearing this emotional weight. A lot of, um, I think guilt was coming up for people that they didn't, should not have to have had passed down to them. And a lot of pain was coming from us that should not have to have that pass down to us and but yeah here we are and um 
with all of that happening, it was, um, it was a beautiful moment at the same time, uh, that we were able to, um, to do this and, and be sensitive to the fact that, yeah, we're going to have to do like 19 takes of this possibly as Casey was pointing out, like it could be two hours in this space or it could be eight hours in this space. And when you do the first take, you go, Oh my God, am I going to be able to get through this? And, um, luckily we did. And luckily those more sensitive, uh, moments in that episode, thank God we, they were, they weren't, uh, eight hour <laughs> uh, moments. They ended up being a couple hours, but that was because every single person on that set, um, respected the, the story that we were we we were we were telling and understood that we all have a part of this fabric of America and um we're getting the special opportunity to um hold a mirror up to it and we don't want to break that mirror we 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 we're going to hold it up with delicate hands and strong shoulders and, and, and make sure we, um, you know, make it to the finish line. So I was not expecting that emotion. And, you know, in this moment, it's still there. It's kind of hard to pivot from that. It's yeah. We actually have five more minutes. So yeah. if anybody, this might be our last question. So if anybody else wants to take, talk about a scene that you were nervous about and that, you know, what did you learn from that? I'll just say I'm, I'm nervous every day, you know, that like, um, and I learn so much. Um, but, um, you know, my father's a neurosurgeon and he once mentioned he was nervous before every surgery and that if a day comes when he's not nervous, then he knows he's done doing the work. Um, and that's always stayed with me. It's, it's not comfortable to be nervous. Um, but, it, you're just, you're there, um, kind of with so much trust on you, there is also the burden and, um, and of, you know, the pressure to yourself to deliver successfully or, and to everybody who's trusting you to do that. It's, um, it's a huge load to carry. Um, and especially with this story, with the, um, content that we're taking on and also the legacy, you know, of Watchmen. Um, so I think, you know, it's something a lot of us process that throughout. Um, there wasn't a day we weren't nervous and, um, and I learned, you know, little things to big things. Um, you know, I, I make mistakes and we'll never do that mistake again. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's important to actually be nervous. I just say though, Nikki, to that point, which I think this is very important, just being on this panel with um, women, and um, I'm hoping that there are a lot of women out there tuning in, that with the point that Nikki made about making a mistake, um, we all make them as directors. And I think there's this enormous pressure that we put on ourselves as women because um, when in the past, you know, and, 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 you know, people like Nikki and, 
and, and staff are, you know, are blazing trails or continuing to blaze trails, pick up where the uh, um, other directors have left off, uh, that when we make a mistake, you know, we go into director jail, like, quickly, where in, uh, our male counterparts make huge mistakes that cost a lot of money, and they still continue to... Um, um, get the next job where, you know, it doesn't quite work the same way. And I just wanted to just point out that for anyone listening that all directors, no matter what your gender is, make mistakes. It's part of the nature of directing. And the greatest things that you've witnessed as an audience member, that director, sometimes it's a result of a mistake. You know, um, uh, um, and and so I, j- I just wanted to just kind of take a snapshot of that because I think we um, we get so caught up in um, or or don't allow ourselves to be creative. We um, squelch our creativity because we're scared to make a mistake, and um, all directors do. Wow, that could not be a better ending. I'm so sorry we have to end now, but I'm going to end with two comments that I'm just going to read here from Q&A. One is from Terrence who just said, I just want to tell Regina that the work she did and what she brought through honored her ancestors and that I and we appreciate her for offering that moment to honor them and honor us. That's from Terrence. And another one from Sandra, and I'm getting choked up too, is please convey my profound gratitude to each and every one of the panelists. This has been an inspirational honor to have witnessed. and I not agree more. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your your light and your talent and for creating beauty in this world despite the hideousness. Beauty and hideousness can coexist strangely together. And I think we all have to kind of hold on to that and hold on to what you were saying, Nikki, about trust. And we have to trust that we will all make it through this time and that maybe a better world will come out of it. Okay. Thank, thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I miss you deeply. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Director's Cut. Past episodes are available wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.